Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, broadcasting live from the EVCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EVCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcasts on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline, 337-706-0111. Well, I got knocked out of the hammock. What is it? What are we about? A about ten weeks into the major league baseball season. Got knocked out, out of the hammock yesterday by Jose Altuve. And now I got some other moron who's um gonna, you know come at me now that I'm out of the hammock from the top turnbuckle. I mean, you know, I was thinking, what's the longest nickname I have? I was thinking about that since last night's debacle. It was probably the worst day of the season, the worst day for sure. Maybe the and probably the worst game of the season for the Astros last night. I mean, used to be fat is not long, but it's kind. It sounds kind of cumbersome. That's Lance. I mean, Lance Berkman. That was my nickname I gave him. Um. I'm trying to think of what other nickname that I have is long because I think the nickname that I've now decided to give the GOAT, and I know for some of you younger people, you think GOAT means greatest of all time. I don't know when that came about. That was a stupid development. The GOAT is the person who cost you the game. The GOAT is the person that cost you the championship. The GOAT is the person who messed everything up because he didn't do what he's supposed to do. Um, And so the GOAT from last night's game was Jake Myers. You know, at the beginning of, first of all, he just looks so bad. I mean, you just look at his face and he just he just constantly is in his face is just in a constant state of confusion. He just looks confused all the time, that guy. So I've decided that my nickname for him is going to be the longest nickname I've ever given out to anyone. It's. Get ready, I'm about to do something stupid. That's his nickname, Jake Myers. Get ready, because I'm about to do something stupid. That's him. I mean, he just, he had a stretch there. Well, like, he was horrible for a while there. 
just horrible. Just had zero redeeming qualities. Couldn't do anything right. And then he got hot. But the bottom line is he cannot be trusted. I think I think sometimes we all lose track, and we all have our little days where we understand. We get fascinated. You know the old. Like we always talk about, chicks dig the long ball. We all get fascinated with offense. But in the end, this is a team that has been the best team in baseball over the last six or seven years because of one thing. Well, two things, but they go hand in hand. Pitching and defense. Pitching and defense. Pitching and defense. You, Jake Myers, Mr. Don't get ready because I'm about to do something stupid. Is he cannot be trusted defensively? He can't in a in a critical moment. He's not going to go. Let's say the Astros get to the playoffs, like we are all. So many of us have assumed, including myself. And let's he's not he's not going to be able to make the big play in the big moment. Now we call him Ren Ren McCormick. Is is not a great offensive player, but he's not going to do the dumb. He's gonna he's gonna be bold, and he's gonna he's gonna make. He's not afraid of making the big play in the big moment with everything on the line. Get ready because I'm about to do some stupid. Is not going to make that play. He's not going to. Like we need to get that out of our minds right now. He's not going to make it. I've heard all this rhetoric about Jeremy Pena. Folks, I don't know how many baseball games everybody watches, but the vast majority of people do not run hard to first base on comebackers to the mound. We already gone over this. We went over this not that long ago. I don't want my guys giving 110% on every play, that old cliche. You don't even want that. Craig Biggio and Pete Rose are the only two athletes, I've ever, baseball players I've ever seen, that run hard on every ground ball. It does not happen, and you don't even want it to happen. Now, did I wish he would have run hard yesterday because the Bozo threw the ball, almost threw it over the first baseman's head, and he would have been safe? Yeah. But we got 19 hits Monday night, so we probably weren't going to drive that run in anyway. But do I wish he would have run hard? Yeah. But this idea that somehow, well, Jeremy Pena, you know, he dog. uh, People dog it all the time on comebackers to the mound. Nobody runs hard all the time on comebackers to the mound. I mean, that... That's looking for stuff. Abreu got picked off a second base. I don't know where he was going. He doesn't even run. He, he, he's not even a base stealer. Like, where are you going? That, I, you know, but again, somebody was going to have to get a hit for that to matter. Um, but the bottom line is they lost the game for, well, one, one player lost the game, Jake Mars. Get ready, I'm about to do something stupid, lost the game. One, he had the bases loaded and no outs and grounded into a double play with a chance to seize control of the game. And then when the other team had their one inning, they hit a fly ball to center field and he couldn't catch it. It wasn't that he didn't get to it, he overran the ball. I mean, what was he doing? He overran the ball. That guy. Um, I didn't expect it. I'll get this out of the way. Remember, this is a hammock season. 
I know you know that, though. Um, yeah. The Jake Myers hatred is a little excessive, I think. No. That stretch where you say there was this long stretch where he did nothing and was horrible, that was like two weeks at the no. beginning of the year. It wasn't no. that long. It, it was not as long as you're making it out to be. And then he started hitting pretty well. Um, you know, he just has a stupid look on his face. He's not going to get it done. I'm telling you, it, he he is not capable of being a consistently good and making the above average defensive play when you need it in the postseason. He's not capable. He's but he's too confused all the time. I, I I'm not going to argue with like his situational awareness, but like on an average play, he's a pretty good defender. Like in the third inning, I feel fine about a deep fly ball hit, and he's got to track it down. I feel fine about it. I. Do you see how McCormick goes after balls? Like, McCormick is aggressive. He's going after the ball. Yeah. Um, get ready. I'm about to do something stupid. Does not aggressively go after <laughs> balls. Yeah, he just I doesn't. Guess. He I was, just got I was this far more, tentative look about I was far more offended by Jose Abreu's attempt to be a base stealer. Mm. I, and I talked about this on the front. Where was he? Yeah. I don't know where he was going, but the chances of us this... scoring that inning were still... Oh, they, the, they were okay, but they weren't, like, great. The only idea that I had is that he was – and then I, I said, well, the problem is he's not used to being on second base because he hasn't done that much this season, so he's just not used to it. But the idea that they were going to backpick at first and he thought he was going to take off, he'd still been thrown out of third base if they backpicked. Yeah, I don't know then, what he was doing. That, that, that was stupid. And then he but, just stared at him, and then he basically watched himself get picked. Usually when a guy gets backpicked at second, it's because they kind of turn their head or they're kind of – just not paying. He was looking right at him when he got picked, and he just turned and said, "Oh, I'm picked off." But understand, unless they were going to play baseball, which they weren't going to, we learned that. Um, oh, I don't know. They weren't going to play baseball. It was going to require get ready. I'm about to do something stupid, or or candy to get a hit. That wasn't going to happen. So, do uh, I think Obrey? Do I think Obrey? You, you know what he was doing? I have no idea. <laughs> but the fact that that lost the game is an overrated thing because you're making a huge assumption that get ready. I'm about to do something stupid, or candy was going to get a hit, and they probably they were not going to get hits or advanced base runners. Probably that was not going to happen. Yeah, now, maybe. if Get ready. I'm about to do something stupid. Would have caught a fly ball as a major league center fielder. They probably more than likely, not pot, not 100%, but 80% would have won the game because they would have had one run in that inning. Uh, that's kind of an assumption, too. No, that's not an assumption. That was the third out. It was no, two I outs. Know, they had I a know. fly ball I'm to center field. I'm saying they would have won the game. Is kind of an well, way more, way more of a likelihood than 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 than. than uh, get ready! I'm about to do something but stupid. Also, and let's candy, we're going to get a hit. The, the situations in which those plays presented themselves have to do with the likelihood of winning the game. So I still think Abreu's meltdown and inability to produce as an offensive player is still a bigger concern for me than Jake Myers' inability to at times play a good descent, defensive center field. No, not for me because. Look, I think he's going to he's going to come out of this eventually. And if he doesn't, they're going to replace him. But if they really think that Jake Myers can play defense in a clutch situation, then they're just, that that is that is scary cuz he's not going to. He's too he's just too he's I don't know what the he just looks confused all the time. He just has that I don't know how to explain it. He just 
he just if you just look at his face. He just he just he's not he's not gonna come through and make the big play defensively that you need a center fielder to make. Now, again, if he was playing left, first of all, when when Ren McCormick's on the on the field the same time as Jake Myers, why in the world is Jake Myers playing center field? McCormick is way better defensive. He needs to be in center field. He's gonna make the play. He's not scared. I mean, uh, that is just silly that Jake Mars is out there. He just. You know what he looks like to me, Jake Mars? He looks like, you know, they call the Cajuns the water hole. He looks like the the ultimate travel ball player. That's what he looks like to me. The, the player that Coach Roba showed that Tony just, you know, he had all his bats in perfect order and. Somebody was bringing in Powerade in the third inning and all of that, all those cliches that we talk. That's what I think that guy is. He's just not, he's not going to make the big play. They need to, I'm not, I mean, what I hope is that they trade him in one of these trades because they're about to make some trades and I hope someone likes him and they're going to, they're going to get him in a trade so we don't have to look at him anymore. But um, I don't know. So, no, I mean, again, Abreu, first, runners on first and second and nobody out. Understand this. People misunderstand. You're not supposed to score in that situation unless you play baseball. In today's era, first and second and nobody out, I don't really consider a scoring situation. You still, unless you play baseball, which most people don't, you still got to get a base hit. And you're never supposed to get a base hit. Understand that. So I think first and second, nobody out is overrated as a scoring uh, um, situation. Unless you play baseball, which most people do not do. And then now I'm getting he hammered even more by my daughter. Because she's been telling me, don't pick up Abreu. He's awful. And then I'll have to watch him stink it up every day. And Jake Myers is, is awful. So I, I get reminded every day now. I told y'all about these guys. Y'all didn't listen. Jake Myers is still a like easily a plus plus defensive run saved analytic. I'm just telling you, he's not. But that's stats. He's gonna he's gonna give up on a ball instead of making the tough catch, and he's gonna do stupid junk like overrunning balls with two outs near the warning track because he's afraid of the wall. <laughs> he is. He's just, he's not going to make the big catch. He's just not going to. I'm just telling y'all now, he's not going to do it. He's got to go. He don't have to leave the team if you don't trade him, but he cannot be the center fielder in a, in a, in a tough game in the ALCS or the World Series. He's not going to do it. He's not going to make the big play. He just botched that last night. I'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 
to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to get in. I'm worried. I just I, look, I I just want to not get swept this weekend. I'm worried the Astros are kind of limping right now. They Sunday will be the 17th straight day without a day off. They're obviously we're get, they're getting bad news on pitching with McCullers still being out even longer and who knows if he's going to pitch at all. We'll wait and see. El Pedro Grande, uh, oblique is a bad word. Uh, it's just a bad, bad, bad word. I, you know, the, you know, the logical explanation is that he'll be on the IL soon, but we don't know that yet officially. But that doesn't sound good. Now, look, if he can't play for the next two or three, four weeks, you know, you just have to figure it out. I, that that's not bad. It just can't be a long term thing. Um, somebody's going to have to start driving the baseball, though. Like, the way a team needs to work, especially a good team, like, if El Pedro goes down, then Icky's got to start driving the ball again. Icky, Icky's not having a bad season, but he's not really driving the ball. He's going to need to start driving the ball more. Now, he did hit two balls pretty hard yesterday. One of them was caught on the track, and one of them was a line drive right to right. And you know those that's baseball, but um, maybe what he should have done is you know hit a fly ball to center field, just shy of the track. Oh, I forget. They have a center fielder who can catch balls that are high fly balls, just shy of the track. <sighs> Again, losing is is part of the game. Not hitting is part of the game. Not catching fly balls because you overrun them. That should never be part of the game, ever. That should not be. You got to be able to catch fly balls. That's why you're playing center field. All right. Oklahoma won last night. I am, you know, I, I'm probably different than some. I, I think it's awful for the sport of softballs. I'm worried that softball is about to turn into women's basketball, which is not good. Like, in terms of there's this ginormous gulf between the elite team and the 10th best team and the 15th best. That is not good for a sport. In my opinion, now, some people love that. I think it's bad, um, but I, I, you know, Oklahoma. Hopefully, somebody can beat them soon because I, I don't think that's good for a sport. the The idea, though, is what happened in women's basketball with UConn. It's not fixed yet, but it's on its way. I think some people would argue. Now we'll see because LSU right now looks primed to become another one, and South Carolina has had their run, but. The idea now that there are a handful of teams going into every season. This year, we thought, look, we thought South Carolina was Oklahoma, and they lost. So I think the the, the light at the end of the tunnel is that sometimes that can kind of elevate the rest of the teams to look around and go, what can we do to catch up to the powerhouse? Um, But, yeah, no, and I think it's funny. Like, not only was 
I think Oklahoma was clearly the best team in the country. It kind of appeared to me over the past three or four weeks that Florida State was clearly the second best team, and there was a gap between them and the rest. And then, yeah, it was a huge gap. I mean, there's a lot of teams. Now, Oklahoma did get tested a few times, and you know, Clemson played a great game against them, had them, had them down to the wire, and so they didn't. 10-run rule everybody in the, in the World Series and the Supers this year the way they have in the past. But, um, no, most of that roster's coming back, like most of it. Like all, almost all the key can – there's a couple of losses. Most of it's coming back, so that's pretty scary. Yeah, it's, it's just – I don't think it's good for the sport at all. Now, I don't, I don't know anybody can do anything about it. The problem is 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you were a – powerhouse like Oklahoma and you had one or two holes in your team well you just lived with them and made up for them well now if you have one or two holes on your team you just go out and get the best player from the 10th best team or the 12th best team and then you no longer have holes on your team anymore so you have no holes on your team so it's just you know that's just kind of how it is it's the uh you know yeah, Oklahoma has pitchers who had like under one ERAs that didn't even pitch in the World Series championship series. It, it's like <laughs> it's it's not good, not good at all for the sport because at that point, in my opinion, the sport just becomes boring. You know, college football right now is pretty boring to me because you kind of, I mean, pretty much you know who's going to win every year, or you can you can get between two or three and you, and you kind of know on the national scale. Now, again, if you are you know a fan of you know, pick a school and you and you follow your. I'm not saying it's. I'm talking about in terms of the fan of the of the the overall sport, not the fan. Like if you're a Cajun fan or an LSU fan or whatever fan of whoever you know, Southern Miss, whoever, and you like going to the games and tell. I'm not talking about that part of it. I'm talking about the overall championship picture. I mean, you know, it's just you know, you, you there's not a whole lot of drama there, and so I don't think it's good. I I don't. I think women's basketball was boring for years because you just kind of figured UConn was going to win, and um, and I, I think softball is getting into a very dangerous. It, it's just not good. But we'll. No, we'll, I really. Uh, we'll I see. get it. I, I don't know if it's bad for the sport. I. I do think if it, it comes a point where you start to go, you got to at least have the threat of somebody being there and like in this series you know I mean the funny thing too is you sit there and you go five to nothing and three to one it's not like they got blown out but it didn't feel like they had a chance and now I guess last night I don't know because the three run homer again it's just, it literally I was like I'm the two teams I'm I've been fans of that I've watched most recently the Cajuns that happened to Texas I felt like I was watching the same game they hit a three run homer and gets legitimately robbed and it's not even one of those sometimes you get the robbed homers thing where the guy jumps up and makes a play or the girl make, jumps up and makes a play and it's like well that wasn't maybe it goes out maybe it doesn't like, this ball is four feet over the fence, and it gets brought back, and it's a three-run homer, and the game's never the same. And So, on one hand, like, they were right there, but yeah, like, it never felt like Oklahoma was in this must-make-a-play situation throughout this, this World Series, and so... I just don't... And look, I'll, I say it all season long, that softball is kind of like baseball, but, not, but like, in this way, it's not even close to baseball, because, look... Wake Forest looks incredible. For most of the year, LSU has looked incredible. But those teams can get beat, and it's not even a thought they can get beat. I mean, like, I mean, I guess it's possible because Wake Forest seems to have pitching that no one else really seems to have. 
I guess it's possible they're going to run away with this. But again, it Mike Ditka was the coach the last time a number one overall seed won the national championship. Mike Ditka was coaching the Saints. Yeah, and I and a, your, a lot of you listening weren't even born the last time this happened. To your credit, and I mean, even we were shocked about UCLA. So let's not act like we were very shocked. But if Oklahoma would have lost to Clemson, I think we would have been in the supers. I mean, in the well, yeah, in the supers, or if, especially if if they would have lost the region, we would have been like floored, surprised, like. I can't believe this happened. What happened? If Wake loses to Bama, I will be very surprised, but I will be like, well, yeah, I mean, they lost. It's baseball. And if I had to guess how they would lose a game, Bama would have a guy who threw a great game, maybe gave him seven or eight innings, and they lose it three to two. And then maybe they get a weird kind of fluky seven, six win, and they somehow win the series. And you'd be like, well, yeah, that, that's just kind of what happens. In softball, though, it's so difficult, too, for an ace to be off. It almost never happens. Where, you know, in baseball, look, we've seen as dominant as Paul Skeens is, he's outstanding. He's had games where he gave up five runs, like this year. And, and Rhett Lauder, as dominant as he is, he's got a 177 ERA. He's next to unhittable. If Rhett Lauder gave up, you know, a walk, a hit-by-pitch, and a three-run homer, you'd be like, well, yeah, that just that happens sometimes in baseball. And it, it does happen in softball, but very, very, very rarely. Like, again, Oklahoma had three separate pitchers with an ERA under one. Their team ERA was 0.95. It's for the whole season, it, and they play in one of the best good. softball conferences. Yeah, it's, just it's insane. Good. Yeah, and you go, well, maybe they're off it. They score nine runs a game, and their ERA is under one. And they played like there was a time when they lost to Baylor, and everyone was like, well, maybe they're not that dominant. And they beat UCLA was ranked one, and Oklahoma fell to two. The next week they played, and Oklahoma beat them fourteen to nothing. It's just crazy. Yeah, not good, pas bon. But it's, uh, I mean, it's good if you're Oklahoma. But I'm just talking about the sport overall. I don't. I, if I, if I'm softball, I want to be more like baseball. I don't want to be like women's basketball. I, I I don't want where it's just pretty much assumed before you even throw the first pitch who's going to win. That's not good. Not good in my opinion. And baseball is very different. It's like, I mean, really. I mean, anybody could beat anybody, and you can only be so surprised by it. To your point earlier, would we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. Um NBA Finals Game 4 tonight. I you know, so so much of the conversation is already on trying to rank Jokic historically, like, can we at least finish the series before we start all that foolishness? Let's, I mean, I know what it looks like, but it also looked like the Heat were not even going to get out of the play-in round like we discussed yesterday. Can we at least finish the series? Can we have them go down 3-1 before we start trying to rank where does 
Jokic fit in the history of, you know, sinners. I mean, yes. I'm with you there, especially too, like we've been hearing now, sometimes it's kind of just because you have to, to, to ask questions when you have the opportunity to, but like there's going to be so much offseason and, and time to be like, okay, wh- but I'm already hearing like, how long is Denver's window open? And, and it's like, let's just, let's just let's have a win the series a, first. There's a game tonight. Why don't we, t- why don't we break down kind of how Miami's going to adjust defensively, which I guess. At some point, there's not a whole lot of adjusting to do. Jokic is going to figure it out one way or the other. But um, yeah, no, I'm with you. Okay, but 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 to me, it's it. I guess it's more complicated than I'm about to make it seem. To me, it's not that all that complicated. Like for one, Jamal Murray is a human being, right? I mean, like he's not a robot, like. Has Jamal Murray ever had a bad shooting night in the history of his life? I would he, think he's yes. probably had some. Yes. So, to me, coming up with a scenario where the Heat could win, the Heat had four turnovers in the last game. So, I don't think they're going to do that again, but let's say they just have six turnovers tonight. And let's just say that the complimentary players – for the Nuggets, do what they've been doing, which is not a whole lot. I mean, they're not really doing that much. So, um, Jokic does about what he does, you know, a triple-double. He scores 34 points and gets, you know, 15 rebounds and gets 10 assists and Murray only scores 25 points instead of 30-something points and is under 500 from three-point land and, you know, doesn't have a triple-double, has a good night but not a great night, and the complimentary players do good, and Adebayo, instead of going 7 for 21 from the field, goes 14 for 21 from the field because he knocks down a bunch of wide-open 10-footers that he missed in Game 3. Can we... And, I mean, is it really that far-fetched that that could happen? I I don't know. Now, is it also possible that the Nuggets complimentary players play well when they haven't been? Yeah, that's possible. But it, it, to me, like we're it's not that far-fetched that Miami could win this game at home. I mean, they're not just going to sit there and do the same thing. You don't think the coaches have been hammering them in? Y'all got dominated on the boards. So I, I would think they'd probably come up with a plan to not get out-rebounded by 30 or whatever it was. And and we're already on to historical comparisons. We haven't even played game four yet. It's just, they kill me with that stuff. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. Did you see the source of the Wake Forest baseball region? Did I see the what? The Wake Forest games. Did no. you did you did you notice the scores? Well, I noticed the scores, but I didn't see the games. No, sir. Forty-seven. They outscored their opponent. Oh, it, it no, it is scary. Now again, it's been a long time since the oh, number no, one. That's, that, it's not. They didn't play anybody. What kind of competition you have? Well, a lot of people are saying what kind of competition did LSU have too. So I, I wouldn't go far down that road. I, well, hold I, on. I, I, yeah, but look, look at the difference in scores, dude. Look at a, see a 
name another regional where the scores were that that far apart. Oh, it was bad. But again, when 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 the brackets came out. I heard a lot of comments. Man, they didn't do Wake any favors as the number one seed. Now, to your point, when they actually played the games, they were not close. I agree with you. But on paper going in, I don't think a lot of people thought that was as for a number one overall seed that they had like in you know one of the top two or three easiest regions. Yeah, I mean that 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 that's the most lopsided scores in the history of the NCAA region. I, 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 that, it just blows my it mind. It was a lot. No, that, it, it was a lot. You're right. And one game was 21. One game was like, I don't 18 to 7. So you know some of those runs were jump runs. So just want to bring that up. I appreciate it. No. Have a good day. You too. No, look, Wake on paper, they seem to be able to pitch when hardly no one else seems to be able to pitch. Now we say that again. We've caught ourselves saying that. What your ERA is for the whole season doesn't really have that much to do with an individual game in a regional or super regional. Obviously, there were a lot of teams that pitched good games. It wasn't just Texas and Wake Forest. I mean, even Sam Houston, like, they gave up, what, 18 runs in the first game? The next game, they didn't give up many runs. So, I mean, anybody, a lot of people, the Cajuns didn't give up that many runs. Cajuns gave up four runs. You know, other a, a lot of people pitched games where they didn't give up many runs. So, it's not like because your team ERA is five for the season means that you're incapable of, of holding a good team to, to two or three runs. So, we got to get that in our minds but in terms of the whole season nobody's really pitching like Wake Forest is so I got nothing against Wake Forest if they win the national championship I'm not going to be upset I'm not going to be pulling against them or I got nothing against Wake Forest I think Denny Walling went to Wake Forest oh Astro from the 80s I love Denny Walling like his swing um but I'm pretty sure he went to Wake Forest. So I got nothing against Wake Forest, but I think to our conversation from the last segment about softball, I think most of us realize that in baseball you can lose. Or was it Clemson? It was Clemson. It was Clemson. I always confuse those two. You had to look like you're not right. So I figured it was one of the – but somebody I, I thought went to Wake Forest, so he went to Clemson. Anyway, um, no, I, I, I got – I don't think but I don't think Alabama can beat Wake Forest though. I, I don't I I mean I know it's baseball. I don't want to be hypocritical from what we just talked about, but I don't think they're gonna beat them. But that doesn't mean they're gonna win the World Series either. Yeah, and, and I don't I and I know there's a lot of, you know, strong opinions on either side of this. I think the situation in which Bama beats Wake Forest is what I kinda outlined earlier. It takes a great pitching performance like a guy pitching above his expected outings in one of the three games, and then kind of a fluky. Maybe they get their offense finds something gets hot. Maybe wakes guys. Uh, you know, one of their elite starters doesn't bring it. It takes like both of that, and then I still think they have to win it in the third game in kind of a crazy situation. Even like, and I think LSU is significantly better than Kentucky, and I expect them to win this series without a ton of issues. But you don't have to go that far down the scenarios for Kentucky to beat LSU as far as you do with no, Wake again, and, yeah, and Alabama yeah. because Kentucky has a little bit more of an ability to put pressure on you offensively 
uh, even against elite arms because they did it with Skeens. Now, I do think it's important to note Skeens gave up five runs against Kentucky the first time. People have been bringing that up. They were up 11-1 to in the second inning, and you don't pitch the same way when you're up 11-1 to as you do if the game's 0-0. So I do think Skeens is going to be pretty dominant uh, on, in game one, but um, it's still an uphill climb for Kentucky, and I don't think they're going to win that series. But I think it's even more so for Bama. The only advantage I'd say maybe – it's not nearly as intimidating to, to go into Wake Forest and play as it is to go into the box. And Kentucky's a team who hasn't been there before. Bama, not a ton of success as of late, but they've been more, there more than Kentucky has. Um, so I think that's that's also things to keep in mind. All right, so I know you said you picked Oral Roberts. Did you pick TCU, Virginia, Florida, Tennessee, uh, LSU, and Wake? That was a lot at one time. I did pick TCU. I did pick Virginia. Um, the only one in there, I think I ended up taking Southern Miss, but I really, I said 51% to 49%. I took Southern Miss over Tennessee mainly because of the home field thing. But other than that, I had all those. I hope Southern Miss wins, but I don't, I I don't really think they're going to win. I don't really think they're going to win, but I'll be pulling for them. Um, but I don't really think they're going to win again. I, I guess today I need to crawl. I, the only one that I've struggled with is is Stunford in Texas, and we talked about that again yesterday. Again, if it was if it was in Texas, I would pick it pretty easily. I would have picked it just like all these other ones. And then at that point, my hardest the hardest regional to pick for me was Stunford in Texas. The second hardest was Oregon and Oral Roberts. I because I just I don't have a feel for Oregon at all. Like I just I don't know what to expect from them, but um, if this was in Texas, I would pick Texas pretty quickly. But in Stunford and going from the Atlantic to the Pacific, I don't know. I think there's a little bit of at least a little bit of a price to be paid for that. So I um, I don't know. I I I haven't I haven't circled one of those yet. We'll take a timeout. And be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at the game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline, 706-0111. 706-0111. Well, the Yankees played a doubleheader yesterday. So I got to believe that's a great sign that things are getting better. So have we gotten any official word that the Belmont is definitely running? They gave a specific air quality that it's going to need to be. Now, I, I don't. I don't know the air quality metrics here, but uh, it was a number I saw. It was like 200 or something. Don't quote me on that. There was a specific number where they said if it is that, if it's better than that, they'll they'll run it, and if it's worse than that, they won't. Now, is it better than that now as far as we know? Uh, well, I don't know because the Nationals game got postponed yesterday for air quality. So, like, but the Yankees played a doubleheader. So, I really don't get kind of – where I mean, it's obviously and, going in a certain direction. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't, I don't really get it. And I don't get do different, you know, Major League Baseball. I don't know that they've made like a specific rule or anything. I think it's still up to, I guess, the clubs and and you know, umpires. I I don't know who's making the call, but um, 
Yeah, I guess it's trending in the right direction. I, I don't I don't know. Because Baltimore, it's weird because everybody in that whole region's at home this weekend. Baltimore's at home. The Yankees are at home. Uh, no, the Nationals are on the road. That's one that's not. But it seemed like everyone else I looked to, the Pittsburgh's playing at home and the Phillies are playing at home. So I don't know. I know Pennsylvania was part of that deal, but I don't know if it still is. Uh, it's just so bizarre. I mean, again, we're talking about something that, well, I guess we can't say we never have it. Didn't um, it's happened in California before, where they had all these brush fires and it potentially could impact uh, a baseball game. But it's um, it, it's it is kind of strange. By the way, it's still way too early to be doing this. But um. When you're the Astros and your best player's about to go on the IL, it looks like, and you've got three starting pitchers out, you know, maybe for two of them for the rest of the year potentially, and another one we'll wait and see. Um, and you're, you know, in this roughest part of your schedule travel-wise and all when you got 17 straight days without a, a day off and you, you've got, you know, some issues going on. I guess it's it's okay to look at the scoreboard, um, even though it's still early June. The Rays played a Rangers in Tampa this weekend. They start a three-game series. So, you know, can the Rays keep playing great at home? Astro fans certainly hope so. Now, the good thing about it is I'm pretty sure the Rays have – McClanahan, Zach Eflin, who's been pitching great for them, and Glasnow. So they have arguably their three best or their three hottest or their three most whatever accomplished or, you know, their three best pitchers as of right now. Now, Glasnow hasn't pitched in a long time, so I don't know that he's that yet. But talent-wise, he is. Um so you like you like the chances, but man, the Rangers can hit. Oh man, they can hit. But the Rays, you know, last year they couldn't hit, but this year they can. So that could be a fun series to watch. And um, I know we're focused on the NBA Finals, and we should, and 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 Super Regional Baseball, and we should. But this weekend, you know, you've got the Yankees and the Red Sox, which is always fun even though there's a lot of hypocrisy there. The Rangers and the Rays, like like we talked about. Um, and so there's a couple of series. I was looking at others. Not not anything at, at that level per se. But um, those are two pretty interesting. Dodgers-Phillies, the Punks and the Phillies, is a nice series as well. So um, some Major League Baseball, certainly, to kind of pay attention to this weekend in addition to the Belmont Stakes, if it runs, and hopefully it does. And and we, when we talked to Mr. Tom yesterday, I, man, again, I don't know any, a fraction of anything about horse racing like he does, but this Belmont Stakes race looks way better than the Preakness. It's just strange. Seems like the Belmont is kind of a disappointing feel at times over the years. But this year, the Preakness feel was was not good, and the Belmont field looks much better, assuming no one scratches, assuming they still run the race. and That is amazing. 50 years. 
Did you see the movie Secretariat? It's been quite a while, but I have You seen have it. seen it? 50 years ago when Secretariat ran. I remember why, you know, I, first of all, I kind of like horse racing movies. Like I saw Seabiscuit and some people have tried Secretariat. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I like horse racing and boxing movies seem better than like a lot of other sports movies to me. Yeah, I, I like Flicka. It's not exactly a sports movie, but that was a good horse movie too. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm good with horse movies. Um, but then it's also cool, you know, there's the scene in there in Blackham Coliseum where you can kind of see it, Blackham. You're like, I've been there. I don't know. That's just kind of cool. So I enjoyed Secret 50, and I remember watching it as a kid. Of course, I didn't know anything about really how significant of an event that was. When I was a kid, Triple Crowns like happened all the time. Happened in 73, happened in, you know, 77, happened in 78. You know, it wasn't quite all that easy. That's it for hour number one, another hour to follow. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Unfortunately, well, I guess it depends how you look at it. It is... This is technically the first week of summer. We'll put quotes around that, but it doesn't feel like like this has been a very eventful week. We've had stories that we never even dreamed we'd be talking about. Air quality and Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, all this a lot of craziness going on. We've had a big nickname week. You know, we don't add nicknames just every week. The vast majority of weeks, we don't ever add a nickname. Well, we added two nicknames to our nickname repertoire this week. We, For those who missed it, Shahid, the, quarter, the quarterback, the wide receiver kick returner specialist for the Saints, we gave him the nickname. We continued our superhero theme with Saints players and ex-Saints players. We nicknamed him The Flash, and I really like that one. It's kind of, it's got some double entendre shaws in there in that some people who hate the Saints, and there are plenty of Saints haters out there or Saints doubters out there, would claim that he's a flash in the pan. I don't really like that part of the equation. I call him Flash because he's quick and fast. And so it kind of fits. I think it fits his skill set. He's both quick and fast. And um, we're hoping us Saints fans, not the Saints haters, but us Saints fans are hoping he's not a flash in the pan. Now, some nicknames can be lost. Like Superman, Mark Ingram's going to be out of the picture. 
but I don't I don't know that we're gonna give that nickname to anyone else. I think that he's just gonna kind of have that nickname for, for forever. So it's been a big nickname week in, in addition to all the other things that are going on. I asked a question a few days ago, and again, because it's been so busy, we haven't even had time to really get to uh, the NBA coaches thing that I brought up. But I did bring up a question of what, who my, and before this show's ended today, I'm going to tell you who it is. Um, I think the two most underrated coaches in NBA history, and we could maybe give a third, but I, I think one of these guys talk, get talked about pretty often, so I'm not going to include him, although he's going to be in the in the list at the end. Um, and one of them has a local tie, so I'll, I'll tell you who that is if no one guesses that by the end of the show today, just to educate us on NBA history. It's all it's important. You know, all NBA history talk is not a, should be about, in my opinion, who's better between LeBron and Jordan. I don't know how – even the people who are passionate about that, I don't know how they're not tired about that argument. And and, and then, you know, the, obviously the recent argument now is where does Jokic fit, you know, his story, you know, all of that, the gold disc and gold, all that foolishness. There's more to NBA history and much more interesting, in my opinion, than those tired old debates. But let's go to the – uh, game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. How's it going? <laughs> uh, How are you, sir? Oh, glorious day, glorious day, glorious day, Foot. But one of the reasons my days is glorious, I want to thank you for helping me win my bet. What's that? Because I had a bet that you was going to come out that hammock season this year, and you did. Thank you for helping me. I get I, I mean, uh, ten weeks in a hammock. Uh, I mean, I'm going to get back into it, but I'm just uh, – I'm just – I don't no, know. No, no. You out. Uh-uh. Foot is out the cage. It is over. I get – I get. I win the bet double because I said it was going to be before All-Star and trading block time. And, man, you came through. I was surprised you lasted this long. But, man, you helped me win my bet. I want to thank you for that. <laughs> and you know what? I told I told my brother, I said, you know, if Foot was sedated, he still couldn't stay in his hammock season. <laughs> it's you, Foot. It's you. I can count on you to come out that hammock season. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Foot. <laughs> I just can't wait but, till I go back. No, you can't go back. That's it. Animals out the cage, Foot. You out the cage now. It's over. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, Another thing I call about, I want to ask you a question. Okay. Now, how do you feel about a Laker fan pulling for the Clippers in the playoffs? Uh, I'm I'm not. Again, I, if if I was a Laker fan that lived on the Flake Coast and you were in the middle of that whole Laker Clipper thing, see the Clippers don't mean anything to me. So mm. I'm not a big Laker. I'm not a Clipper hater. So I, but I understand if you lived way over there, then you in the, on the Pacific, then you you might be a Clipper hater, and you're in the middle of all that Clipper Laker stuff. Okay. The Clippers okay. mean nothing to me, so I don't have a problem with it. Okay, because you know I'm a boy, I'm a boy, old Rockefeller there, you know, because I got to get on him because he was trying to get me what last two years, what it was about me so they pulling for um, Boston. I feel. As a Laker fan, you should never pull for the Clippers. Yeah, That's but... like a Tar Heel pulling for Duke. That's like a Yankee pulling for the Ugly Sox. You can't do that. Yeah. So the man was. I think that's the Celtics. If you're a Laker fan, you can't pull for the Celtics. But the 
the the Clippers and are not that Clippers relevant. Either. They're not that relevant to to be oh, in that. Very relevant. Yeah. I see little brothers in the same um stadium. That's your as a rival, even though they didn't win no chips, they have beaten the Lakers at least 11, 12 times in a row. Oh, they own the Lakers. They own the Lakers. I'm not belittling them for that. I'm just saying. The it's Celtics wrong. are the team that you can't pull for if you're a Laker fan. It's not the, the Clippers. Just, hey, it's the Clippers, yeah, I'm just saying, but it is what it is, and we're not going to gloss over that one. Now, that's the thing. Now, you know what time it is, huh? It's Yankee time. And you know we play the more ugly socks the next three games. I'm calling a sweep right now. We're going to sweep them. I, I don't see we're that happening. We're in the toughest division right now. But I'm telling you right now, I'm calling a sweep. And all them little ugly Sox fans, I want them to put some respect on our name. That's all I got for you. Put some respect on them Yankees. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks for the call. It's good hearing from you again. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, obviously, none of us know what's going to happen. That's why you play the games. But I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect a sweep either way, personally, from where. Those two teams are right now and the injuries. And it doesn't seem like a sweep situation either way, but you never know. Things can happen. And so they, uh, you know, Nestor Cortez is on the DL now. And, you know, Judge is still out. And they split a doubleheader yesterday with the White Sox. I I don't know. You know, I I don't know. I, I just don't see a sweep either way, but. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But, no, it's always interesting series there. Um, you know, the Punks have been struggling, and then they got a win yesterday, and they played a Phillies, which, you know, has their shortstop was with the Punks the last few years. So it will, we'll see how uh, that, you know, we mentioned that about an hour ago. That That's, your, that, that's another good weekend series that, that has some um, – little bit of punch to it worth keeping an eye on as we go into the weekend all right let's go back to the game hotline hello good morning good morning all right kevin i got your uh most underrated coach that's what you're, not, you're looking for right the, my, my my in my opinion the two most underrated coaches in nba history yes okay i, I got one for sure dr uh dr jack ramsey no, that that's I mean he's on my list of people to consider, but he, that that's not one of the two that I fin- ended up with. No, sir. Well, I'll tell you what, man, that guy there was a good coach, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, look, he beat that that great. I mean, that that uh, Philadelphia seven six team he beat with that twirling team he had. God, he. I mean, you want to talk about a, a, a lack of talent they had, and they went and beat that Philadelphia team. I mean, yeah, Mr. Ramsey could coach. Well, you know that team is probably the only team that could match the Celtics on the ugly factor. Like, that was, you want to talk about an ugly team that I hated. Dave Twardzik, Bill Walton. Now, Maurice Lucas was a stud. I mean, you know, he was, I mean, he was a stud. I liked him. But anybody, everybody, Lionel Hollins, uh, Wayne, Gross, I think that guy, what was his name, Wayne or Bill? They had a guy named Gross, and he was gross. That whole team was gross. No, I mean, they were a good team, and um, I hated them. But, but, but no, he, he, he was a good coach. And the Rose, the old Rose Garden had a an atmosphere to it that I've never seen in another stadium. That was an interesting atmosphere. But 
The thing about the reason why I wouldn't put Jack Ramsey up there is, you know, he, he his winning percentage in playoff games was fourth was forty three percent four thirty one. That's not as high as some of these others that that I'm mentioning. Now, you know, he he won a, a really good amount. He won fifty seven percent of his regular season games, but he's only got one title, and you can get away with one title. But you got to have a higher winning percentage in the postseason than four thirty one. Well, how about Hubie Brown? Hubie's not on this list. Really? <coughs> he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't one of the one. No, I think he's a good coach. I think he was a better analyst than he was a coach. But no, no, not not Hubie. Hubie's not on the list. How about the other Brown, Larry? Now, Larry Brown certainly is. No, Larry Brown. In fact, we're fixing to talk about Larry Brown as part of. Um, when, when, when I, when I, when I tell you who these people are, but no, Larry Brown, I think, um, most people don't realize that he was a better player than a lot of us know about. And we're going to talk about that a little later, but also, uh, no, I think he was, he's one of the more, he could easily be on the, uh, on, he's definitely on the underrated list. Yes. Didn't he win a title uh, as a basketball player and then won it as a coach in college and in the NBA and in the ABA? Uh, or the ABA, he just lost in the finals. I don't know if he won um, a title in the NBA, but but he uh, no, he had he has one NBA title. As far as an ABA title, I have to go back and look. I, I don't have that on here for him. But again, now you know he's played. He played. He won a lot of games. Coached a lot. He won fifty-seven percent of his games and fifty-one percent of his playoff games. But yeah, he has an NCAA title, an NBA title, and a coach of the year. Yeah. Well, all right. I'm curious to see who you got, buddy. Uh, all right. Going? I'm shocked. I'm still shocked of all people that FedEx man didn't didn't get the answer there. That's a hint. Big hint. I don't. I don't know if that gives me anything. No, I didn't give you. I I didn't expect you to get it. This was way. (laughs) These are both way before your time. Of course, like some people say, though the whole before your time thing. Like George Washington was before my time, but I knew he was the president. You know, we can learn, but that's part of why we want to do stuff like this to learn about. But no, Jack Ramsey. Jack Ramsey was another one that was a good analyst. Was he still around when you were started watching basketball? Probably not. But for years, I thought Jack Ramsey was a good analyst. Even though I, I, I hated his teams, I thought he was a good analyst. Yeah, and I will add, I, I don't know as much of the, you know, I was never a big NBA, like, historian or, or fan. But college football-wise and NFL-wise, I'll have some contributions to this for sure. Look, when I, in the 70s, I mean, I think, I, you know, I get a little offended if that's the proper word, um, when people talk about how bad the NBA was in the 70s. Because in the 70s as a kid, I probably, I didn't probably, if you'd asked me what my favorite, I would have said the NBA above the NFL. I didn't, until I developed, I mean, I followed baseball and certainly followed the Astros. But I didn't develop. I didn't. It didn't hit me how great of a game baseball was until I was in high school. Got a little maturity, and that's. It was when I was in high school that baseball became my favorite sport because I didn't totally get baseball. You know, when I was seven and eight and nine, I followed it and I followed the Astros. But it was when I was in high school that I realized, oh, baseball's the best game. It's not even close. I think I was kind of a little different than that because, like, I and I was thinking about this the other day. 
how even now, like, I mean, and I watch the Astros any chance I get, but when I was a kid, now, obviously, I had a lot less going on, so it, it, it didn't it, it didn't take much, but I planned my days in the summer around when the Astros played. Oh, like, yeah. And every day. Now, I yeah, and, and I've kind of changed in that. I still follow it pretty closely, and I watch as much as I can, but I still plan my Saturdays and Sundays around football, specifically, like the Cajuns and the Saints. It, it doesn't matter. Now, if we have on. something going on, I may not be able to pay attention. Yeah, I might have yeah. to watch on my phone but or I was, something. I was always like that with the Astros, like from a young age. And I was also, there was this thing, because I was always better as a baseball player, so I liked it more when I was a kid, too. And then I kind of, but anyway, yeah, no, a little bit different there. But So did you see the movie Fever Pitch? Yes. So. I love that movie because I identify with it. I don't right. care about Drew Barrymore any at all. But <laughs> but if anybody says, okay, can you do this? My first response, okay, what time do the Astros play that day? Yeah. I mean, you know, when she said in the movie, oh, you want to go to France with me? And he was like, oh, no, the Mariners are in this weekend. That was his first thought. That, that, that That's just how it is. That's just how And it when is. I saw that movie, that's how I was as well. Yeah. So I identify totally. I mean, right. I, I think it's uh, an underrated movie. Again, I don't care about the the rom-com part of it, but um, although there are some great lines in that movie that I, that I use fairly often. But, um, but no, I, that's the first thought. Okay, I can do that, but first let me see when do the Astros play. I, that, that's my whole life. Very similar. Of course, most of the time work gets in the way, but that's, that's okay. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. The little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. I don't normally mess that up, but it's been, I mean, again, it's really been a crazy week. It was a short week for me because I wasn't here Monday, and then we came back with all this big news and all this crazy stuff happening, and then, you know, fell out of the hammock for the first time all season long. Um, so it's um, it's been it's been a you know quite an interesting week on, on the show, and and we talked a little bit about the NFL, but I'm trying to push it away, and they keep talking about it, and you've got. I mean, to me, Dalvin Cook is still in his prime, and yet he's out there. I still, I still am not totally wrapped my mind around the concept of releasing a really good player in his prime. 
I mean, is there really no one out there that would give you a six-round draft pick for Dalvin Cook? I understand that it's so say not a running back era, although running games decide playoff games and Super Bowls all the time. Now, I get that you don't have to pick one in the first round, but this isn't a draft. We already know how good he is. Yeah, it's, and so it's less surprising to me that Minnesota was willing to move on from him because, again, their situation is going to kind of allow them to have a guy who's already played significantly in the last few seasons and has shown that maybe he has a slight drop-off but is not much worse of a back. But it's more surprising to me that no one else was willing to go trade for him and that they had to cut him ultimately. Because to me, one of the dumbest things that we hear all the time, well, there's a lot of dumb things that we hear all the time. One of them is, oh, you got too many teams to jump. Well, that's stupid. Stop saying that. The, the other thing that's stupid is think about this comment. Why would you, why would you trade for him when they're going to release him? Oh, maybe it's because I want him on my team. So, like, it's like you say, does everyone, do all these owners in the NBA not realize that only one team wins? Do all these people that say that, don't? do they not realize that only one team acquires this guy? Like, okay, so when the news broke yesterday, you know, so say the leaders were the Dolphins and the Broncos. So if you're the Broncos and you really want him, I mean, why would I tra- why would I give up a seventh round pick for him? Because he's going to be released. Well, because I want him on my team. So what good does it do if he signs with the Dolphins? Say, if I'm the Broncos and I really want him, well, I don't want to give up a sixth or seventh round pick for him because he's going to be released. That's silly. Well, that doesn't mean I'm going to get him. Only one team gets him. I don't understand. I, I, I will never understand that that comment and the logic behind that comment. Now, if you, you know, have some inside information and he's like your dad's best friend and you know you're going to sign him, then, yeah, don't give up something. But, I mean, how often does that kind of stuff happen where you have it in the bag? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. This guy's still in his prime. No one's going to give up a seventh-round pick for him. I, 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 I just don't understand. And I understand there are salary cap things, but that's all creative accounting. I mean, the Saints were under the salary cap, and they were prepared to give the Sean Watson this mega me, all that stuff, silliness, all that salary cap stuff. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kev. Yes, sir. I have a guess on uh, who coached Andrew Tony in, in Philadelphia. No, that's a that the, the answer to that was Billy Cunningham, and he certainly needs to be on this list. Billy Cunningham, he didn't coach a long time, but he won sixty nine point eight, basically seventy percent of his regular season games, and won sixty three percent of his postseason games, and did win an NBA title. But no, that is, I mean, he, he again, is really accomplished. I would have him as a top 10 coach, even though he didn't coach that long. But that's not one of the two I'm talking about. And, yes, he did coach Andrew Tony, the best player in Cajun oh. basketball history. But, no, that's not the answer think, to the question. Do you think he was a better player or a better coach? Ooh, that's a great question. I, you know, I, I did not see him play. He played before I was watching games, but obviously he was a highly accomplished player. He looked like one of these guys who hated to lose 
And so I don't think he could handle the losing in coaching. I, I just think he kind of like he had ulcers and he just couldn't handle it. That's a good question, though. He was really good at both. Yeah, sure was. All right, man, that's what I had. Thank you Thank so you. Much. No, it's a great um, a great guess. Andrew Tony played for the Sixers. And for those of us, and I, you know, I, we probably don't talk about him enough during the NBA. For, the, for, for those who may or may not, you know, know a great deal about Andrew Tony. He was played for the uh, the Cajuns in the late seventies and was drafted by the Sixers and went to a great team. And he had foot issues for several years. There, he was the best shooting guard in the NBA. And what made him so special? A couple things made him special. One is he be, he did he played very well against the Celtics. So that makes you a good person if you can beat the Celtics, in my mind. Um, and so you got to love that part of him. The other part of him is he was a really good defensive player. And he just never had an ego. He, he was a superstar with nowhere near a superstar mentality or, or ego or any of that kind of stuff. He was, he was again, I you know, I'll argue forever. He was the best player that ever played at UL. You know, a lot of people say Bo, and I got nothing against Bo. Bo played in the most exciting era, maybe, but Bo, in terms of an all-around player, was was not Andrew. Problem with Andrew is he had foot problems and his injuries um, kind of derailed the the length of his career. But for a while there, he was the best shooting guard in the NBA. But no, that 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 is that um, is not the answer. I'll give one of the two, and then we'll get to the one that refers to uh, uh, an ex-Cajun. One of the two, I think, most underrated coaches, and this goes back to the Larry Brown thing, that FedEx man. I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name necessarily. His name is Alex Hanum or Hanum, H-A-N-N-U-M. Most people probably don't even know who this guy is. Has never heard of him. Very possible, never heard of him. He's known by many, and I still don't know, think this is absolutely correct, but I guess it is. I read it that that he's the only guy to ever beat Red Auerbach, they claim, in a playoff series. That just sounds hard to believe. But anyway, he was the coach. Um, this guy was a, a coach of – he won two NBA championships and an ABA championship. He was the coach at, a, at 67. You remember when the Golden State – Broke the record for the most wins, and they had like this unbelievable that that great winning streak, and LeBron beat him. He broke the record of the '67 Sixers team that he was the coach of. Then he, before that, he was the coach of the St. Louis Hawks that won an NBA title. Shortly after winning that NBA title with that incredible winning percentage for that '67 team, um, with the Sixers. He coached the Oakland Oaks of the ABA, which had in 1969 to an ABA title. And look, I know the ABA was not the NBA, but it's just like the AFL and the NFL that there was that they were you know they you're talking about top quality basketball there. On that Oakland Oaks team in '69 was Rick Barry and Larry Brown. The second round playoff win for that Oakland Oaks team was over the New Orleans Buccaneers 
and Larry Brown had played for the New Orleans Buccaneers the year before. And that year, Rick Barry and Larry Brown um, with Coach Hainum won the won the Oakland won the ABA championship in 1969. Also on that team was Doug Moe, who a lot of other people would consider a an underrated all-time coach. Doug Moe was the coach of the Denver Nuggets for years and took a lot – and, the, you know, Denver Nuggets are back in the news because everyone is assuming they're about to win the, that franchise's first-ever NBA championship. And prior to this, you know, the best run of Denver Nuggets basketball was with Doug Moe as the head coach. And, um, and Doug Moe was also on that team with Rick Barry and Larry Brown. So, I mean, again, how many of us have ever even heard this guy, Alex Hainum? And he won two NBA and an ABA championship. I think he's the most underrated NBA coach ever. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706 706- 0111. 706-0111. I've gotten word that Belmont Park is open today. So the first race is scheduled for 11:50. I guess that's Eastern time, but uh but but that's good news in terms of I gotta believe unless something really drastically changes. If they're gonna run the races today, then they're gonna run them tomorrow. I mean like Mr. Tom was saying yesterday, it wasn't looking good, but man, you're talking about a lot of money at stake here. And probably really, um, you know, causing so much turmoil schedule wise. And if you try to change it, even, even push it back a week, because, you know, people are coming from all over the country and really in this case, the world to come for, for this race. And so it's, um, it is really critical that they get it run, and it sounds like that's good news that they're, they're, they're going to be able to get to it. All right, again, the game hotline is 706-0111, I think I'm going to go with Texas just because – I don't. I don't trust their bullpen, and if they don't win, I'm going to assume or predict slash predict going in that it's going to be because their bullpen just lets them down in one or two of these games. But when you go into a three game series and you got a pretty hot offense and you have two pretty dominant starting pitchers, that's a pretty good recipe. Pretty good recipe, and you're a great defensive team. So that's a lot. That's a that's a lot to like. The other thing is they've had you know they've had to do a lot of traveling, but it 
But it, but it's also, you know, they had some rest. It wasn't like you're playing one or two days later. So I am worried about the time zone thing. But um, I think I'm going to go ahead and I, I, I have Circle Texas. By the way, did you see that Miami's coach resigned? Uh, I'm yeah. assuming that's under pressure. I would imagine so. I really think that there was a lot of pressure on that team to win. And I'm not a big second guesser. But I think the point for the, you know, I did hear quite a few people say, well, they they shouldn't have pitched to Morales. And I think the deeper that you could have taken him into the game, the more likely, like there was so much pressure after their performance the year before for them to perform that weekend that I, I think they were in position to to crack or the pressure to get to them. That if, if they if the Cages could have take if they could have just not let Morales beat them and and take the game, you know, into the eighth or ninth inning, but they just couldn't quite. Couldn't quite get. I mean, technically they had the tying run at the plate, so they did. But I'm talking about where you didn't have to score three runs, where you had the lead or you were even. Uh, they were playing with a lot of pressure on them. You could just tell from all the comments that Miami, uh, that Miami uh, personnel had in the uh, in the press box. There was a lot of pressure on them to win, and it just didn't happen for them. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, for this team, man. What's up? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Um, but my first question is, do you remember what year you, y'all you got cable TV at your house? Well, I got it later because I lived more on the edges of the parish. And I, I I remember people when I was a freshman in high school talking about ESPN and all that. I, I missed the early days of ESPN. The very I'm talking about the very early days, that first year. I don't think it was till I was a sophomore in high school. So I think it was 1981 when we got Cape. But we're the same age you and I, and uh, we didn't get it till '83 because, like you just said, we lived out in the country. Right. And that's when I became I – mean, I was always a sports fan. I mean, always. But when it was just ABC, NBC, shoot, we were playing baseball outside and basketball, whatever. Wasn't worried about that. But anyway, that's when I became a real NBA fan uh, with Michael Jordan and so on and so forth. Um, but my guy, I think – I don't know if he – if anyone mentioned him yet, but Guy Lewis? Well, we're doing the NBA, but no, Guy Lewis was obviously a you know a very famous college uh, coach, no, no no question. And we'll we'll I'm sure his name will certainly come up when we do college basketball a little later this summer. But but uh, well, he wasn't a, he wasn't a coach for the Rockets. Uh, Rudy Tomjanovich, what you talking about? Those good Rockets teams with Akeem and them. That that with I mean, Akeem and them. Yeah, yeah. That, that was thought, Rudy T. Rudy Tomjanovich. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was Guy Lewis. No. My, my well, bad. No, he he was Akeem's college coach. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's where it is. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, good thing. Hey, now that UL softball is over, I guess I'm gonna have to work on Mr. Bobby's. Uh, to fix up our ribeye sauce pecan, what you think? Absolutely. I love anything that Mr. Bobby has ever cooked for me, so I'm all for it. Yes, sir. 
Okay, we'll give you a call when it happens. All right, thank you. Uh, all right, go Tigers. No, it's, uh, uh, you know, again, I, I learned, I mean, a lot of people can cook. But from Vermeer Parish and Eunice, they everything I've ever eaten from anybody from Eunice or Vermeer Parish has been very good. So I'm I'm all, I'm all for that. I'm all for that idea for sure. But no, I I uh, I think I don't know the answer. I'm pretty sure it was 81 because I remember my friends in high school, my freshman, they would talk about this ESPN first. You know, when ESPN first started, like. I, my, I want to say maybe the second semester of my eighth grade year and my whole freshman year, I never had it. And I, I would go to their house sometime and watch it. Um, and I I remember my friend's mom, she hated because early part in the kind of the early days, not not that early, but a little bit years later was when the whole Dick Vital started and she just hated Dick Vital because <laughs> he was just, you know, bombastic and yelling and saying all this crazy stuff and uh no, no th- those were fun days i watched a lot of college basketball in the 80s and um really you know enjoyed it you know by that time when the cajuns beat jarstown that they were already doing like big east stuff so you already was pretty familiar with with some of those programs and that, no that was that was that, it was a fun era no question uh and like i've said we're talking about basketball you know, for someone who's a huge basketball fan like Lewis, you know, just loves it. I mean, it, it, I feel bad because bas- college basketball in the 80s, it will never be that good again, ever. And in my opinion, NBA basketball will never be that good. Now, NBA basketball could, but it college basketball, that's not even a That's not even an argument. It's... It, you know, it's just, it was so good in the 80s, and it'll just never get that good again. I mean, it, I was so fortunate to be in high school and in college uh, in the 80s, and, and basketball was just, it, it, college basketball was great, and the NBA was great. And uh, the 90s, it started to go, in the, in the 90s, to me, the NBA basketball was just terrible in the 90s. And I think it's better now than it was then. It was boxing in the 90s, but in in the 80s, it was just tremendous. So it's a shame that the current basketball fans didn't get to enjoy that, but people my age certainly did. We'll take a timeout. Be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Medicine season. Medicine season. Now, a season in which a college or professional sports team suffers a disappointing season due to injuries or fluky incidents. Also known as paying the piper. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Speaking of the Footlish Dictionary, we added another nickname today. If you did not, if you weren't listening at the very beginning of the show, the Astros center fielder, 
Jake Myers. His nickname now on the show is Get Ready Because I'm About to Do Something Stupid. It's the longest nickname that we've come up with so far. But I, I think it's very fitting. I kind of like it. I guess we can call it um, something stupid for short. I, I don't know. Do you you said we, it? but I'm not taking credit here. That's all you. I, I don't mind Jake Myers. <laughs> oh, the man loves Jake Myers. He don't loves love center him, fielders that him. overrun fly balls with two outs <laughs> and runners in scoring position. Yeah. I just you really trust him to make the big defensive play. Maybe not the big one, but the routine one, yes. And def- and, yeah, and but over everybody the of a, can make the routine defensive play. He will save you some runs defensively over the course of a season. I don't know if it's I don't know if I trust him in a big time playoff situation to do it, but over the course of the year, if you play him enough, he's going to save you some runs, and the numbers back that up over his career. He's not better than McCormick in center field. I mean, I like I like McCormick in center field too. I don't I don't think the uh, look the. I think defensively in the outfield, honestly, Tucker's pretty lethargic at times. That gets me frustrated a little bit. But I think over the course of the – when it's time to play, he's ready to go. You yeah. Know? But, like, I don't think defensively – When it's time to play – Well, yeah, and maybe we'll see. Something stupid is not ready to go. <laughs> he's ready to do – he's ready to be tentative and let the ball drop or overrun it or throw to uh, – I just don't trust that guy. All right. Um, I've been talking about this coach, by the way, and with the local connection. And the answer to that question is Larry Costello. Larry Costello coached in the NBA. for Again, he had 400-something wins, kind of like what Bill Cunningham had. A lot of uh, coaches. Bill Shorman, who coached the Lakers in that general era, had 400-something wins. Bill Shorman won 57% of his regular season games, 58, 59% of his playoff games. Larry Costello won 59% of his regular season games and 62% of his playoff games. Uh, He won an NBA title and made the finals twice. So twice he made the finals. And again, won 62% of his, his, his his playoff games. When he won, he led the Bucks to the nineteen seventy one NBA championship. On that team, uh, that Bucks team that won the nineteen seventy one NBA championship was—I mean, I don't know where you would rank them. Different people had um, different rankings, but a top 10 player in the history of the Cajuns program in Marvin Winkler. Marvin Winkler was the great, right before Bolomar was Marvin Winkler. Like, and they might've even crossed paths for one year, but, but, but right before it was, it was when I was like one and two year old. I mean, I, if I saw him play, I don't remember it. I was just a baby, but uh, Marvin Winkler was, not a starter or a regular player or anything, but he was on the team. I mean, he played some, but he certainly wasn't a starter. On that team was Oscar Robertson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bobby Dandridge. Man, I like Bobby Dandridge. He later played on those Bullets teams of the 70s um, in the later 70s. I really liked those. Kevin Greavy, Wes Unsell, Elvin Hayes, Henderson, Thomas Henderson. I like those those Bullets teams that Dick Mata coached. Some people think Dick Mata's an underrated coach. The problem with Dick Mata is he just he lost too many games. You know, Dick Mata 
He only won 48% of his games and only won 44% of his playoff games. But but Larry Costello, again, re- really good uh, coach. And but, but like so many of these coaches that we're talking about, guys like Billy Cunningham and and even, you know, I, I, I don't want to say his name because I can't stand him. But even a guy like Tommy Heinsohn, another one who was – I don't think he was he was nowhere near. He was more of a blockhead. He was nowhere near the analyst that a Dr. Jack Ramsey or a Hubie Brooks was. But he, he had a run as, a, as an announcer. Um, but, you know, even uh, – you know, he won. He won 62% of his um, regular season games. But, again, had 400 and something wins. Just didn't coach a long, long, long time. I know uh, – we're kind of coming up on it, but did you see the uh, the announcement that Kendall Rogers put out about Cajun baseball? No. Apparently, uh, they're looking to hire Gunnar Leger as director of pitching and analytics, and that's by Kendall Rogers about 37 minutes ago. So Gunnar Leger going to be back with the Cajun baseball program. Well, that that um, that is a cool thing, no question. That, that that is cool. All right, so we've had a very eventful week. Um. And lots going on. Hopefully, the Belmont Stakes takes place. But all, all indications, because they're racing today, is that it's going to happen. And so that is cool. And um, you know, I don't know what everybody's going to do if the Heat win Game Four. You know, but first they got to do it. We'll see. Y'all have a nice weekend.